Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Really, when it comes down to it, it's about loving God and loving people. We complicate it. We think we got to check all of the boxes. We think we got to do all these other things, and we overcomplicate the gospel. We overcomplicate our lives as Christians. It all comes down to this. Love God and love people. As a matter of fact, I think he took that from Jesus because Jesus said in Mark 28, at Mark 12, verse 28, uh, when someone asked him, uh, one of the religious uh, leaders said, hey, what is the, the greatest of all commandments? And Jesus replied this, the most important commandment is to listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Jesus made it real simple. Moses got ten commandments from the Lord. Ten. By the time the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes got through it, there were over 700. Why? Because they were trying to legislate something that was spiritual. They were trying to legislate loving God and loving people. And and so Jesus said, look, let me compress this down. Let me keep it real simple for y'all. All you got to do is love God with everything, every part of your being, and then love people. And it's, it, it's interesting that God puts it in that order. And, and, this, and it's, it's interesting, and it's not without understanding once I release some of the things that he asked me to release to you, why he put it in that order, okay? And that's not the only place in Scripture where it talks about that. In Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 6, it says a a similar thing. In Deuteronomy 12, verses 12 and uh, 10, verses 12 and 13, it says something similar. In Deuteronomy 13, 3, in Deuteronomy 30, 36, all of these places, it talks about loving God and loving people. In Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, it says the same thing. Love God with all of your being, I'm paraphrasing, and then love people as you love yourself. And so we see this throughout Scripture, that God is saying, look, let's keep it real simple, y'all. And I want you to keep that in mind. Let's keep it real simple. Love God and then love people, okay? It's simple, but it's not easy. My first point is this. Since we all need true love, we must be able to identify it in order to receive it and give it. Okay? How many of you have heard the word love come out of somebody's mouth and you looked at them like, because mm? what I'm seeing and what you acting like has nothing to do with love. Huh? And so we know that a lot of people toss the word around, but they have no clue what it really is and what it really means. Okay? And so when we see this, we have to remember that true love comes from somewhere. I want to read you a few quotes before I get into the scriptures. And these are the few quotes that I got offline. And this one particularly uh, stuck with me. It says, always remember, true love never fades. Isn't that what they were singing this morning, huh? That God's love never fails. It says, true love never fades away, even if it is not reciprocated. Yeah, I'm pausing for effect right there. I'm going to read it again. Always remember, true love never fades, even if it is not reciprocated. 
Now, if we all be honest, there were times in our life where we have gone, you know, I'm done with this. I ain't getting nothing back out of this. I've been loving on this person, and they ain't loving me back. I'm done with this. Hmm? Is that true love? Because from what I'm reading in Scripture and what they were singing this morning and what this person just said is true love never fades. Okay? Even if it is not reciprocated. It's another uh, quote here by uh, Billy Graham. It says, nothing can bring a real sense of security into the home except true love. Nothing can bring a real sense of security into the home except true love. You can get all the things and pack them into your home, all the latest and the greatest, but if there is no love, there is no security in the home. I want to read you another quote, and this quote is by Dale Evans. It says, true love is not how you forgive, but how you forget. Not what you see, but what you feel. Not how you listen, but how you understand. All the women say amen. Because mm -hmm. I know if you've been around a guy, you'd be like, he don't listen to me. He ain't heard a word I'm saying. Hmm? Yep, uh-huh. They all shaking their head. Yep, yep. He ain't listening to me. Because when you get through talking and you go, so what did I say? You go, hmm. Uh, well, um, what had happened was, I know, guys, we got to learn to understand. That's part of the listening. Another quote here says, true love is that which ennobles the personality, fortifies the heart, and sanctifies the existence. There's another quote by Julia Roberts that says here, true love doesn't come to you. It has to be inside you. True love doesn't come to you. It has to be inside you. And then this last quote that I want to give you. It says, true love does not only encompass the things that make you feel good, it also holds you to a standard of accountability. True love. I want to read you a verse here in John, 1 John, a few verses here. <clears throat> and this is where we're going to set down for the remainder of my time, pretty much. It says, dear friends, and I'm reading this out of NLT. It says, dear friends. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending, uh, by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God, love, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be Savior of the world. We all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God 
have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we have like Jesus here in, the, in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. Now I want you to listen to this last verse, these last couple of verses. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his, a fellow brother or fellow believer, that person is a liar. Now, don't y'all be looking at me all strange. All right? Y'all can see it. Y'all oh, can't see it. But go to the Bible and read it. He says, if you say you love God, but you hate a fellow believer, you're a liar. Okay? For if we do not love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this commandment. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So, I want to start out by talking about true. I want to give you a couple of definitions. The word true says, being in accordance with, an, with the actual state or condition, conforming to reality or fact, not false, real, authentic, and genuine. So what we have to understand is that true, remember I'm talking about true love, that true means that it's authentic, it is genuine, it is factual, it is not false. So when you partner true with love, because there, we fling around that word love in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of people that fling around the word love, and I perceive in my mind and my heart that they mean something else which I will speak on in a moment. And so now we look at the word love, the word love, a profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person, a feeling of warmth, of warm personal attachment or deep affection as for a parent, child, or friend, sexual passion or desire wholeheartedly liking for or pleasure in something. In Christians, it says, God's benevolent attitude towards man, man's attitude of reverent devotion towards God. The bottom line is that love is unconditional. It is the real deal. Okay? So when you match true with love, true love. That means it's authentic, it is real, it is not false, and that there is a passion associated with it. It is a passion. So if you just casual like, like, hey, I love you. That's not very passionate, is it? Huh? It would might probably make you wonder, does this person really love me? There's a passion behind your love, and it's not just with your words, but it's a passion with your life that says, that speaks, that shouts to that other individual, I love you. So we got to be able to identify what love really is. 
And since we already said in the scripture that God is love, he is, does not give love. He is not uh, defined by love. He defines what love is. So God defines what love is. And for a few attributes of God's love to help us identify when we are out there and when we're interfacing with people and when we listen to people talking about how much they love God, there are a few things that we need to understand about the attributes of God's love. And I want to share those things with you right now. In the song this morning, it says, your love never fails. I want everybody to say that with me. Your love never fails. I want you to say it one more time. Your love never fails. I want you to say it one more time. Your love never fails. And the reason why I'm having you repeat it over and over again, because faith comes by hearing. And so when we speak it over and over, our ears hear what we're saying, and maybe, just maybe, just maybe in those difficult moments in our lives, we will truly believe and have the faith to stand on the fact that God really does love me. I know because... It's happened to me. There have probably been moments in your life when you say, God, do you really even care about me? God, where are you? Because of what you were going through, you started to wonder, does this love really never fail? Does he really love me? Am I really worthy of his love? You are, because it says his love is everlasting and unfailing. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting means everlasting. That means it doesn't stop. That means it continues and continues and continues and continues and continues and continues. I remember years ago reading an article about a man who was sentenced to jail for murders he had committed. And while he was in jail, God's love reached out to him. It healed him and made him whole. And God even allowed him, after I think about 20 years imprisonment, to receive a pardon. And that guy spent the rest of his life preaching the gospel and living the gospel. I remember another character in the Bible who, I think he committed adultery and was involved in premeditated murder. A guy named David. But yet and still God's love never failed. God continued to love him. So you ask yourself, am I worthy of God's love? Yes, you are worthy of God's love. Each and every one who comes out of the womb is worthy of God's love. But you got to be able to recognize what it looks like. It's never failing. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. That means that if I keep loving on Amanda here, and I'm loving on her, and I'm loving on her, and she's like, get out of my face. And I'm loving on her, and I'm loving on her, and she, will you leave me alone? That doesn't mean I stop loving on her. Now, I might change my tactics because I'm like, that ain't working. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I stop loving her. That's, that's an attribute of God's love. God's love says, I might have to pull back and let you stumble and fall so I can come in and get your attention. But his love never stops. Until you breathe the last breath in your body, God is saying, I want you, 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 I love you. He never stops. 
Me? That's another story. I got a lot of flesh still left. But him, you can always count on him. What's another condition of God's love? God's love protects us, Psalm 91. He who, who hides under the shadow of the Almighty. See? God's love is protective. Huh? He protects us. You say, well, why did he let me go through this? He was still there. It could have been worse. He protects us. He has always protected us, and he will always protect us. God's, an attribute of God's love is protection. How many times we read in the scriptures where Israel was outmanned and overmanned, and God came in and he held them. Even when they turned to other gods, God would say, okay, look. I'm going to have to let y'all go through something so y'all can understand who really loves you. Because them little idols sitting up there, they don't really love you. Can't, can't even talk to you. All they do is look at you. But I got to let you go through something so you can understand I'm the one who truly loves you. I'm the true love. You see, when God said in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other God before me. It wasn't because he was like, it's all about me. He was like, it's all about you, and I know you. And I know that I'm the true one who loves you. And if you turn to these other gods, it's going to mess up your life. I'm trying to keep you out of mess. God's love is sacrificial. We see that in how he sent his son. His only son. How many of you would give your only child for somebody that don't care about you? Because if you read in Romans 5, it says, while we were yet sinners. That means I was doing my own thing. Like, God. He sent his son for me. He sent his son for you. That's real love. It really is. It's sacrificial. When was the last time you did something sacrificial for somebody? You said, well, I cooked breakfast this morning. Was that sacrificial? I don't know. You have to answer that question. But what he did was sacrificial. He gave his only son. God's love is corrective. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Oh, hold, hold on. Hold on a minute. How can me getting a beating be loving? He has to get our attention, you know? God says in Hebrews 12, can we put that up there, Hebrews 12, verse 6? It says, whom God loves, he chastens or corrects, depending on which version of translation of the Bible you're reading. Whom he loves, he corrects. How many parents do we have in here? You ever corrected your child? Huh? You love your child, right? Now, they didn't think that what you were doing was so loving at the time, did they? And if you read verses 6 through 11, that's what, the, that's what that's in Hebrews, that's what it says. It says, while you're going through the correction of God, you may not think it's so, so corrective. Let's read that. It says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Next verse. As you endure... This divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever hears of a child who is never disciplined by his father. Next verse. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Hmm? Next verse. Since we respect, we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, 
shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Next verse. For our earthly fathers discipline us for a few years, doing the best they know how. But God's discipline is for always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. Next, last verse. No discipline, and, and this is the verse that I want y'all to read. Y'all can skip all those other verses, but this is the verse I want you to hear. No discipline is enjoyable. Huh? Any of y'all's parents ever come to you and said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurt you? Yeah. I'm like, looking at my mom like, hmm? I'm the one that's rear end that's going to be going boom, 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 boom. When you're done, I don't think that's going to be you. But it says right here, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. Hmm? So some of y'all need to go back and say, thank you, mama. Thank you, daddy. For the swats. Huh? Because it corrected us. I remember one time I went out and stole something. I was probably eight, nine, ten. My, my neighbor and I, um, we got together and we went down to the local store. And we, he's like, come on, man, we can do this. I was like, yeah, we can do this. He's like, come on, man, we can do this, man. I was like, no, I don't know about that. He says, no, we can do this. So we did it. Stole a big old bag of potato chips. Hmm? Each one of us got a bag of potato chips. Came home, went into the backyard, ate as much as I could, dug a little hole, put it in the backyard. Lo and behold, an angel. I don't know if it was the angel of the Lord. I didn't think so. Told my mom that she saw me. Ooh, buddy. So my mom asked me, she says, uh, did you go down to that store and steal something? I'm like, huh? She's like, did you go down to that store and steal something? I'm like, mama, I love you. She said, no. Did answer my question, boy. Did you go down to that store and steal something? She said, you better tell me the truth. Because if you, if you, I said, is that, I'm thinking in my mind, is that going to get me out of this? Because she had that belt. I was like, is that going to get me out of this? She said, if you tell me a lie, it's going to be worse. Well, I took my chances. I told the lie. <laughs> and when the evidence came forth, it was worse. It was much worse. And I didn't love it. But you know, from that day forward, I never stole again. Because I looked at the consequences. I said, mm, this ain't... This ain't the worth the rump, the bump on the rump. This, this is not worth it for a bag of potato chips, you know. So the discipline that we receive, it's, it's painful when we're going through it sometimes. But it's going to be for our good, okay? God is not controlling. He is not. Satan is controlling. God is not. He does not control our life. So anybody that tells you they love you and they're trying to control you, <gasps> get the dog up out of here. You're not loving me. God's, God's love. He gives us free will. And God's love provides for us. He always provides for us. He is our provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God provides for us in every way imaginable. He provides for all of our needs. He says in Psalm, I shall provide for all your needs according to my riches and glory. He said, I'm not even trying to trust on your riches. According to my riches, I will supply for your needs. Okay? So God's love always supplies. And the reason why I went over these attributes, and there are more, the reason why I went over some of these attributes is so that you can identify what true love looks like. Because if you can't get, identify it, you can't receive it. And so somebody that's nauseating to you or somebody that you seem, uh, that thinks that you're nauseating to them because you're trying to share the gospel to them, you love. I love what Pastor George said last week when he says, you know what? They may hate me now, but they'll love me in heaven if I'm honest and truth with, true with them. See? And for many of us, we have avoided speaking the truth into people's lives because we think that's not a loving thing. 
one of the most loving things you can do is when you see somebody's life spiraling down is to speak the truth. Speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. Don't come down and condemn them, but speak the truth. Hey, you know, your life is kind of spiraling. I'm seeing some things. Is that really, God, is really God leading you that way? Sharing with people who don't know Christ, that's a loving thing to do. When we share the gospel, that's the good news. That is a loving thing to do. So we have to understand. Point number two. Strum up a little controversy in your mind. But before you judge me, hear me out. I want to raise the question, is it possible to lust after God? To what? To what? What kind of church am I? Oh, hey, stay here. Don't go. I see somebody getting up in the back. No, I'm just kidding. Is it possible to lust after God? And the reason why I ask you, let, let me give you a definition of lust. Now, remember the definition of love, definition of lust. Any intense desire or craving for gratification. Intense sexual desire or appetite. Uncontrolled or insolicit. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to the ones that, ha that have nothing to do with sex, but it says, a passionate, remember, in love it says we are passionate. A passionate and overmastering desire or craving. So I'm going to ask you these questions. When do you go to God the most? When you need something from him? What is your prayer like? What is your prayer life like? Is it a laundry list of God give me, God give me, God give me, God give me, God give me. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. God, I need this. God, I need that. Do you ever stop to say, God, what can I give to you? God, show me the things that please your heart. Because if, if, if all we do in prayer, if it's all about me and not about him, maybe it's not love. If it's all about me all the time, maybe it's not love. When and what do you mostly take and embrace from the word? When you read the word, do you... Embrace all the things that's all about the good stuff for you, or do you also embrace the difficult things? Hmm? Do you embrace the things that says, I'm going to have to suffer and I'm going to have to sacrifice? Or is it only the things that says, how I'm going to prosper, how I'm going to be blessed, you know? You see people walking around, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed in my coming in, I'm blessed in my going out. And then something happens where they have to go through a little something. Where is God at? I have to wonder if that's your mentality. Do you really love God or are you just lusting after him? Do you care about what makes him smile? Do you care about what brings pleasure to him? Bottom line, lust is interested in only what can be done for self-pleasure. Now, I think if we be honest, I know for me, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm going to speak for me because I know I was a sinner. When I came into the Lord, it was really all about me. I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. God, what can you do for me here? What can you do for me there? What can you do for me here? I'm like, hey, God, hey, God, hey, God, hey, God. 
And when I got through with all my, hey, guys, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, I'm like, okay, God, thank you. Conversation is over. But I find myself more and more saying, God, what pleases your heart? What brings you joy? Mike Bickle wrote a, an amazing book called The Pleasures of Loving God. And I believe it's in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, fulfill ye my joy that your joy may be full. So God is saying, look, if you do what pleases me, don't worry, I'm going to reciprocate it back to you. Because remember, he first loved us. And so when we talk about loving God, Let's not lust after God. Let's truly love God. The one thing that God asks for us is our availability. What is your priority? Huh? When you wake up in the morning, is your mind stayed on Jesus? Or do you go about your life and, oh, by the way, just before you close your eyes at night, you say, God, thank you for everything. See, I'm finding myself waking up in the morning. And when I wake up in the morning, there's a song in my heart. When I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about the Lord. When I wake up in the morning, there's thanksgiving flowing out of me. When I wake up in the morning, I want to know, God, what do you want for my life today? What do you want to do with my life today? How do you want to take me today? That's real love. That's what true love looks like. The Bible in 1 John says, do not love the world nor the things it offers. But when you love the world and you do not love the Father. It says the world offers only cravings of physical pleasure and cravings of everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. Why do you come to church? Is it because it's the traditional thing to do? Or do you really want to come to meet God and be with your brothers and sisters? The question has to be asked. Why do we do the things we do? I believe it was in 1 Corinthians says, I can sing with the song of angels, but if I have not love, I'm just like clanging cymbals. You see, there's a lot of outward actions that we can do, but what is your inward motivation? And only you can answer that question. Only I can answer that question. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do I get up in the morning and get on my knees in prayer? Why do I read the word of God? Is it only because I want something from him or do I want to give something to him? In order to have true love, point number three. Since true love only comes from God, how do we receive it from him? And I believe it's only by being in an intimate relationship with him. And Jesus said it, and I'm going to go back to Mark again. I'm going to go back to Mark again. I'm going to go back to Mark again because what he said there was, it says, and you shall love the Lord your God. And I'm reading this out of the Message Bible with all your passions and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second love others as well as you love yourself. My passions to love Him with all of my heart. That means there's got to be a desire in me to please God, there's got to be a desire in me. To do the things that he wants me to do. When I'm doing that, when I'm doing that, when I'm looking at life that way, guess what? There is no fear. Paul said, I don't care if I get whipped. I don't care if I get stoned. I don't care if I do this. These are light afflictions because he had an understanding of what true love looked like, and he was willing to reciprocate his love back to God. He says, whatever I got to go through for your sake, I'm willing to do it. 
Have we surrendered enough of ourselves to him? Because that's really what it's all about when it says to love him with all of our being, with all of our mind. Or do we have the mind of Christ? Do we have a passion for Jesus? I mean a passion for Jesus that drives us in the morning to do the things we do, to say the things we say, to behave the way we behave. Do we have a passion for Jesus? Because when you have a passion for Jesus, you are able to stand against the world. Do we have a passion enough to stand against the wiles of the devil? Do we have passion enough to stand against the Antichrist spirit? When somebody says, if you say this, you could lose your life. You could lose your freedom. Do we have that type of passion? That means giving all to him. I went and saw the movie Harriet. It's about Harriet Tubman. And it was a point in the movie where this guy looked at her. He said, Harriet, you are a free woman now. If you go back and they catch you, they're going to kill you. And she looked at him and says, God has guided me this far. I'd rather be free and see my family and my friends free or be dead. Can you say that? I'd rather stand for Jesus or be dead. That's what Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. That's true love. Guys, we better get real because it's coming. It's coming our way. We've been, we've been blessed in America. But it's coming your way. And it's coming faster than you know where we will be persecuted for what we believe. Think about, and as I was watching that movie, I thought about a man named John Brown. John Brown was not a slave. John Brown was a Caucasian man. But he understood something's wrong with this picture. So he became an abolitionist. And there were others. There were others. In every struggle, there are people. I remember, because I grew up during the Civil Rights Movement, I remember people that says, you know what? I may never see it, but it's still worth the cause. How much for him? We are his ambassadors. He said, look, I've called you in to send you out. Are you willing to represent the kingdom of heaven? That's true love. Are you willing to give your all to him? Are you willing to submit, to surrender? Are you willing to be transparent with God? Are you willing to trust him enough to when he says do this, you do this. When he says go that way, you go that way, even when it doesn't make sense. That's what he did to Abraham. He said, get thee out of earth from thy father's house and go to a land I will show you. Now, I don't believe that Abraham had map quests. All right, God, I see where you're sending me now. He left, not knowing exactly where God, but he trusted God enough. Do you trust God enough. Do you know that he truly loves you enough to trust him enough with your life? When he says, get out of that relationship. When he says, stop doing this and do that. When he says, give up this job and take that job, even though this job may pay more than that job. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just asking, do you consider? Before you make decisions, do you take them to the Lord? Is he part of your decision-making process? Is he part of how you discipline your children? Is he part of how you spend your money? Now, wait a minute. You touching something that, that's mine. Don't touch my money. You can touch everything else, but don't touch my money. Well, if you belong to God, 
I believe your money belongs to God. So it makes it his money. I'm just asking, guys. If we really, really want to walk in true love, because the last part of that verse, and I'm coming to my final point. I'm not trying to keep you long. I want to I, I wanna, I, I wanna give you a, just a little bit more before I go to that last point. If when we look at the Ten Commandments, God says, you shall have no other God before me. He understood what would happen to Israel if they started to go after other gods. And he said, I love you enough. You see, he wasn't trying to keep something he wasn't trying to keep them from something. He was trying to keep something from them. Big difference. It's just like what Satan said to the people in the garden, to Adam and Eve. He said, did God not say to you that you could eat of this tree? In other words, he wanted to make them think that God was trying to keep something from them. God was not trying to keep something from them. He was trying to keep them from something that was going to ruin their life. Because he had already instructed them, in the day that you eat of this tree, you shall die. And God don't lie. So he was simply trying to keep them Keep something from them. So when you think about the decisions, when you think about the things that are happening in your life, think about it. Am I really contemplating, is God trying to keep me from something? When God says abstinence is the way to go, he is not because he's trying to keep you from sexual pleasure, but he's trying to keep sexual destruction from you. Say, here you go, talking about sex again. Mm -hmm. Because it's a part of who we are. We are sexual beings. God says, look, when you start messing around out there, flopping from here and flopping to there, you're going to suffer a lot of things. Hold on to it. Lock it up. <laughs> Don't get none of this. Until I'm married. <laughs> Used to be a thing called a chastity belt. They put it around you. Big old thing around you. Everybody knew, oh, that one's locked up. Don't even say nothing to it. But God was trying to keep us from something that could be destructive. When God tells you, give the tithe. He's trying to keep you from something that's destructive. Here you got 90% of it that he leaves in your hands, and all he asks for 10%, and you screaming about that. And he had already told you, you give the 10%, and I will open up the windows of heaven and pull you out of blessing. And you say, I ain't seen that blessing yet. So I'm going to hold on to my 10%. And here, he's kept you out of accidents. He's kept your kids from straying off certain paths. He's kept your marriage together. And you ain't seen nothing? Just asking the question. That's what he says when he says, give all to me. Love me with every part of your being, your body, your mind, your soul, your emotions, your desires. Love me with all of that because I love you more. He says, don't misuse my name. All of these things. He, he even says, look, guys, I'm trying to give you a day of rest. You weren't built to work seven days a week. And some of us like, I need more money. I got to work seven days because I need more money. You don't trust God. You don't trust him. 
Because you don't have to work seven days. He says, six days shall you labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, keep it holy. He's saying, guys, take a rest. Take a break. And connect with me. Point number four. Um, worship team, y'all can get ready. Because point number four is going to go quick. Point number four, there are clear ways to identify when one is walking in true love. Because remember, the second part of the great commandment was to love your neighbors as yourself. How many of you want to be treated well? Raise your hand. Some of y'all don't want to be treated well. If you want to be treated well, raise your hand. If you want to be treated well, stand up. I'm already standing up. Don't judge me. You can sit down. All of us want to be treated well. And that's the way we should treat others. As well as we want to be treated, we should treat others. But some of us don't, didn't know how to be treated well, and that's why we need to come into God first so he can show us how you should be treated. Because what, what was said was love to us was not love. We were raised up in a place that was not loving, and so we went out thinking that love looked like this, and it really didn't. But when you come into God, find out what true love looks like so now you know how to respond with what's going on out there and then he says love one another as you love yourself husbands love your wives as you love your own self So what does that look like? Do the people around you in your circle look at you and say, I believe she's been with Jesus. That's what they say about the disciples. We perceive that they have been with Jesus. When people look at your life at the workplace, do they say we have perceived that they've been with Jesus? Or do they say, mean as a snake? What do they say about you? What do family members say about you? Even those family members that you, and I'm going to pray for all of y'all, they have to go home or meet with family members that you're saying, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, give me grace to be around them. But what do they say about you? Do they say something's different about them? Something that I secretly desire that I see in them. Is that what people are saying about you? Number two, are you fearless for the sake of the gospel? That means if God says, go over there and say something to this person, are you willing and ready to say it, even though that person may be looking at you like, you come over here, I'm going to smack you three ways. Are you willing? Are you fearless? If God says, get up, and move over here. Are you fearless if God says, I want you to use your gifts this way. I want you to use your talent that way. I want you to do this for that person 
for that neighbor, that neighbor, that old crotchety person that across the street from you that is always complaining about you. But I want you to go over there and mow their lawn. You say, well, if I mow their lawn, they may call the police on me. Do you trust God enough to go do it anyhow? What motivates your compassion? Are you motivated by compassion and selflessness to serve others? Huh? When you serve other people, are you always expecting something in return? An applause, a handshake, a, a thank you, or this or that? Or do you serve people just because they need to be served? Just because they need to be loved on without expecting anything in return? These are evidence of you walking in true love. When you do things without expecting something in return, it's the foundation of the word so deeply entrenched in your life that you live it publicly as well as privately. When the lights are off, are you still the same person than when the lights are on? When people see you at home, are you the same person that you portray in the house of the Lord? If you are, that's evidence that you're walking in true love. Do you genuinely care for other people and are you willing to sacrifice for them? Guys, we are in a season where everybody's looking for love. We really are. Don't you know that the holiday season is probably the highest time for suicide? Because everybody's looking for somebody that will show them love. And when they don't get it, they think there's no reason for me to, to live. And people will take their lives. So we have a great opportunity in this season. Are you led by the spirit and not by the flesh? Or the desires of this world? And are you willing to stand against the wiles of the devil? Ephesians 6, having done all, stand therefore. Are you willing to do that? When all hell is coming your way, are you willing to do that? Martin Luther was. When he posted that, he knew, I'm in for it. When he posted that, he knew that he was in for it. But he said, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And whatever I suffer, I must suffer. Esther did it. But she said, if I perish, then I perish. How about you? Is God so in you that you're willing to stand up and be strong? We are looking for people who are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are looking for those who will stand up for Jesus Christ. Tired of the man be pamsy, weak Christians. We don't have to be rude and crude to be strong. We just have to be confident in who we are and whose we are. Stand to your feet. Let's keep it real simple. Love God. Love yourself. And love people. It's real simple. It's not complicated. Let's give God all of who we are. And maybe... I know it's a small crowd, but if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, today is your day to find true love. If that's you with every eye closed and every head bowed, just lift up your hand. If that's you today, if you're here 
and you say, I've never really given my life to Jesus. I've never really surrendered myself to Jesus. Yes, I've been in the church. Yes, I've been around the church, but I'm not part of the church because I have not been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've never given my life. I have never surrendered myself wholly to the Lord. That's you today. Lift up your hand. While the worship team is praying, playing, while the worship team is playing, I want to do something a little different today. I want you to get in groups of two and three. Get in groups of two or three and three or four. And I want you to pray for one another. Let's activate what we've been talking about. Let's sincerely turn around and say, how can I pray for you? Get in groups of three or four. Let's pray for one another. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.